0: Entrepreneur on Fire, 827.
1: Be prepared for that trough of sorrow. And if you're going to take that leap and leave your cushy job somewhere, know that you're going to go through some really lean times and know that you're going to go through this trough of sorrow for some period of time.
0: John Lee Dumas presents EO Fire and freepodcastcourse.com. Launch your podcast in 15 days and ignite. Looking for detailed advice on how to start your own business? Order the Entrepreneur's Toolkit today with my special offer from The Great Courses. Visit thegreatcourses.com slash fire. That's thegreatcourses.com slash fire. Hiring? With ZipRecruiter, you can post a 50 plus job sites, including social networks like LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, all with a single click. Post a free job at ziprecruiter.com slash fire. That's ziprecruiter.com slash fire. Hold on to those afterburners, Fire Nation. Johnny Doom is here and I am fired up to bring you our featured guest today, J.R. Johnson. J.R., are you prepared to ignite?
1: Fire Nation, let's light this candle.
0: Yes. <laughs> JR is the founder, CEO of Trippy.com, a community of travelers helping each other travel better. In 1999, he started virtualtourist.com, the premier travel community of his time, and eventually sold it to Expedia TripAdvisor for 85 million in 2008 junior given Fire Nation just a little insight. So share more about you personally, then expound upon the biz.
1: Cool. Yeah, so uh, first off, Trippy, that's our company right now. This is a question and answer platform for travel. Um, we're really, it's a mission-driven company for us because I personally believe that travel is extremely important. If there was some way for everybody to get out there and see more of the world, it would help us understand things. We just don't if we're just sitting at home. It makes us a little more understanding. Little more tolerant, a little more compassionate. These are all good things for us as human beings, all sharing this planet together. So, Trippy is designed to encourage more people to travel and go take that trip. So, we can talk more about that. But that's the high level on Trippy. I mean, personally, I'm uh, happily married with two beautiful daughters. They're going to be uh, four and one in January. So, when I'm not thinking about travel and thinking about Trippy, I'm spending a lot of time with my with my girls.
0: Loving that. And JR, you couldn't be more right. We are definitely going to talk more about Trippy. We're going to talk about your whole journey as an entrepreneur. There is a quick side note that I do want to chat about with Fire Nation here because we're always about checking out best in show, best in case, best examples that are out there. And JR, I mean, you don't have to lie to me. I have to believe a lot of time went into your homepage of your website because it's so simple, but it's so brilliant. I mean, you go there, Fire Nation. It just says, here's how Trippy works. And then there's just three bullet points. Anyone can ask a travel question. Two, destination experts like you give answers. And three, readers like answers and the best flow to the top. I mean... So so I get it right away. Like I snap my fingers, there's no confusion. And then you have people like Anthony Bourdain and Tim Ferriss, you know, past guests of Entrepreneur on Fire, giving answers right there and just giving their social proof. So Fire Nation, take a look-see. You won't be disappointed. And we always, JR, start Entrepreneur on Fire with a success quote. So share that quote and why.
1: Sure. My quote is that I reflect on all the time is, desperation breeds creativity. And as an entrepreneur, this is something that I experienced firsthand. With our first company with Virtual Tourist. we went through a really tough time. So we started the company in nineteen ninety-nine. Let me just back up a little bit. So sure. I went to I went to USC undergrad. And when I was there in my sophomore year, I was just kind of burnt out. And I'm like, I've got to get out of here. I gotta go someplace. So literally during finals after the first semester at the end of the first semester, I go into the travel abroad office and I'm like, I got to get out of here. I'm just, I got to, I got <laughs> to go see something. They're like, you missed everything. There's no, there's no study abroad program that you can get on. They were closed. They were done months ago. I'm like, great. They're like, oh, "Wait, there's one. You can go get on this. If uh, you can go get on this semester at sea where you're on a ship for a semester <laughs> traveling around the world. I'm like, done. We go to 10 countries. So I had to run around over the next week and get 10 visas uh, put together and being in LA, was easy because they had all their all the uh, consulates there. So we got all that stuff done, hop on a boat and travel around the world. And when I was going around there, this was really where I I understood the importance of travel for the first time. And it was in Darjeeling going from Madras up to Calcutta up into the mountains of Darjeeling. It was really just a moving experience for me. And that was something that I carried forward from after college, after law school, I went to law school at SMU in Dallas, And the law firm I was working for sent me over to Germany to go speak at this conference. And I met these two computer science students from Karlsruhe, Germany. And I ended up starting virtual tours with these guys. And we built we had this idea at the time. Lonely Planet was the hands down leader in travel contents. We had this idea of what if we could build a Lonely Planet guidebook, but written by tens of thousands of people. And that's what we set out to do with virtual tourists. And at the time, we didn't have user generated content back then. I'd go talk to a couple of venture capitalists about investing in the business, and they'd say, Why would I ever want to read what somebody else has to write? <laughs> that's what we have authors and journalists for. I'm like, Well, the content provided by other people in this setting would be better than what most journalists and authors would come up with. And they didn't really believe it. So we had to prove up this concept that this worked. And this was January of 2000. So I'd said I'd raise some money for some clients when I was at the law firm. I didn't think raising money was going to be a problem. So we uh, just decided to, to prove up this, this idea of this travel user-generated content. So it took the first three months, and all of my VC appointments were – I was setting them up in April 2000. If anybody remembers back then – March of 2000, the internet bubble burst. Boom. And nobody was investing in any internet companies, let alone content companies, especially something called user-generated content, which we didn't even have that term back then. We just called it, um, you know, user-written content or something. (laughs) People
0: writing stuff on the internet. (laughs) Exactly.
1: So... We'd raise. I'd raise two hundred sixty three thousand dollars, friends and family money, to get the to get my German partners over here and for me to quit the law firm, and that was the only money that we had. And I hired a few folks, and so that two hundred sixty three thousand dollars goes away pretty quickly, especially when you're spending it in in anticipation of raising a VC round, which never happened because. The internet bubble burst and everything went, went sideways for quite a while. And so through that, we, we there were a couple. And then, you know, fast forward a little bit further and then 9-11 happens. That really changes everything for every business, especially travel businesses. And then, I don't know if you remember SARS, that people weren't traveling to Asia oh, yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, all these things. We felt like we were in a 15-round bout being in the travel <laughs> business. And we got desperate, like we were really desperate we would and we moved the we ended up having to kind of fire all these guys that i 'd hired to come on and help us build this company and It was me and the Germans and we ran this out of a uh, a fairly dingy apartment that i 'd rented for them, and we just kind of fit, we, we we described ourselves as being in cockroach mode, just kind of hanging out in the dark, trying to survive. but through that, we got really creative and we figured out how to build a business and there were a bunch of little things that that we figured out along the way how to make money, how to keep users happy, how to build a product that they really wanted to use. And the numbers continued to grow, you know, day after day and month after month, things started looking better, finally started making a little bit of money. And then fast forward to the summer of 2008. And we ended up we had a company that was doing $18 million in revenue with 8 million of EBITDA. And this became a very attractive asset for some other people to kind of break
0: down exactly what that means.
1: Oh, so eight million dollars in total top line sales and EBITDA is essentially profit. Yep. So, eight million dollars in profit. So it was a, we built this really great little company without ever raising any professional VC money and just grinding it out through these through the cockroach mode years. Like it was, <laughs> it was so bad. Like we would I, I keep this thing on my desk. I've got it right here. It's a a uh, there was a coffee place out here called Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, and they used to do this promo. You know, they give you these punch cards, and as soon as you get twelve things punched off, they would give you free coffee. So every afternoon we would go down and we'd buy the 80 cent shot of espresso that was all we could afford but we'd get a punch on this on this card so at the and then at the end when we felt the card we'd go back and then get like this Extra large ice blended with two shots of espresso. <laughs> it ended up being like a ten dollar drink, but this was like we would we would be so happy about. It. Like this was the only joy that we had while we were hanging out <laughs> with cockroach mode, like and regretting these decisions we made. I, I made these. The, I had these German guys move over to to the states to be here with me, building this company. I left the law firm. Like this was really some desperate times, and we'd we'd uh. This was our one treat that we would have when we'd fill up these punch cards. And my partner, he had one fully punched, all twelve things punched on it. I've, I've got. It. I still have it. right here but Nick he washed it. it he washed it oh in no. his pants and the thing disintegrated so he was so bummed that he took it and it's pieced together i, w- I wish you guys could see this but it's pieced together and now probably 30 pieces and he laminated this thing for me and gave it to me so that i could take this back there and go get my extra large ice blended with two shots of espresso in it
0: jr have jillian take a picture of that we'll put it on the show notes page awesome. you can email it over to me i mean fire nation has to see this
1: awesome yeah no i'll do that and it's uh and coffee bean wouldn't take it when we try to go cash it oh, in for no. our thing so now i keep this as my souvenir uh, and kind of a, a symbol of the of the super lean years and a symbol of desperation like this is we were we were really desperate during that time but it was through that that we got we learned and it forced us to be um really resourceful when you don't have anything like this was We'd wait for my mom to bring, make Costco runs and bring down bagel dogs and chili for us to. Uh, mom, us to I'm to hungry. Eat. That's that's the truth. That's exactly what it was like. It's like, mom, what what are you coming in? Yeah,
0: Jared, take us to what you would have to consider just the worst moment of virtual tours. Is there something that stands out? A specific story? A specific day? One massive mistake that you really thought it was all over? I mean, there might have been multiple, but just share one.
1: Weird as dead broke, like I I'd, I'd stiffed American Express twenty five thousand uh, dollars. My car was about to get repoed, um, and I was sitting in and I took a drive up to Malibu just to clear my head a little bit. And I was sitting in the in my nearly repoed car, and I'm sitting in the the mall, the mall parking lot at Malibu, and I'd called the lawyer, um, a lawyer who I, I knew, and and asked him for a job. And I was sitting there in the parking lot. I talked to him and I remember hanging up the phone after talking to him and literally like I start crying like Ugh. tears. I'm like, I can't believe this. And this was because this just represented. Now, now for a lot of people, this was a great fallback position and, and it really was, but for an emotional, you know, somebody that had gone through something like this and, and, and tried something and this was the, this was the ultimate, uh, you know, giving in and this was the ultimate representation of failing. And it was just such an emotional experience for me that, that, it, it it was such an overly emotional reaction I had to this. And I'm like, I decided I could not go back and do this. And I had to continue down this path and I had to keep working on this. And I ended up not taking the job at the law firm, figured out some other fairly creative ways to get by um, while we were building virtual tourists. And thank God that we did.
0: Now, why were you not able to monetize virtual tourists with this amount of traffic like, and what were some things you did try that failed?
1: Again, the time was different. This was pre- um, Google, you know, this is pre Google being in the ad business. So we had to, I had to work for nine months with a company called goto.com, which became overture, which became Yahoo search marketing. And these guys were the original guys who did paid links, um, you know, clickable links that you could, you could buy as ads. And it was a search engine based on that. And Google ended up coming into the game and that was a game changer because it changed everything. But when we, our first deal, the way our original site worked, um, we would, you'd have to click like six times on maps to get down to our London page. And we just wanted to put some of these, these links in there from London hotels cause advertising, online advertising was so early and it was so non-existent then that that was a point when we finally convinced them to let us do this we were able to start generating some revenue. And then when Google came into the mix, they changed it. We At that point, we were getting about 25% of the revenue, and they were taking 75%. When Google came into the business, that completely switched. And we were now able to get 75%, and, and Google took 25%. So that was a real game-changer for us. But for us, it was the, the traffic continued to grow, and as the traffic continued to grow, the revenue continued to grow. So it was just in the early days, online advertising didn't exist, and we didn't have as much traffic as we did in the later days.
0: So, Jr., there's so many stories you could tell us right now about an epiphany, an aha moment, a light bulb that's gone on for you at some point in your journey. But if you could only pick one and you would really take us to that moment when that light bulb went off, what would that story be?
1: When we were selling virtual tours, we hired investment bankers and they they reached out to all the potential acquirers. You think of all the OTAs, all the people that are in the travel business, um, and one of them was the travel channel. And this seemed like an obvious acquirer because we knew that a lot of the producers from the Travel Channel shows were using virtual tourists to find content to help them make their shows. That's how good the content was we had on virtual tourists at the time. And these guys were using the product and Travel Channel seemed like an obvious fit. And and so we had them out. They came out from Atlanta, the corp dev team. Those are the guys who do the, the mergers and acquisitions and they're sitting there and we go through a 2-hour management presentation and we talk to these guys we tell them all about our business and and they look at the end you know we talk for 2 hours and at the end they look at each other and they go wow you guys have built a really great business here we're really thankful that your investment bankers reached out to us because until they did that we'd never even heard of you guys and i'm thinking to myself how is that possible like how how did i do such a poor job you know that i wasn't there telling these guys how great we were for all these years because They were never able to get up to speed fast enough to actually potentially make an acquisition of virtual tourists just because they didn't know about us. And when you're doing when you're looking to sell your business, like keep staying networked and keeping your company in front of the people who potentially can either partner with you or potentially even acquire you someday is really, really important. And when I was sitting there in that conference room after giving a two-hour presentation, and the guys told me they'd never even heard of us, I was floored. I'm like, boy, I've done a really crappy job as a CEO.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think this is really great feedback and just really great information for Fire Nation to be taking in. I mean, as you're building your business and as you're putting the pieces together, you can't forget that the right people need to know what you're doing. This hard work can't be for naught, meaning get it out there. I mean, get this voice, this message, this brand, this product or service out to the people who should be seeing it who should be tracking this stuff and jr what i really want to do is talk about another moment in time and for you you've had a lot of proud moments you know maybe it's going to be the the day you sold for 85 million i mean that's an incredibly proud moment but what is your proudest entrepreneurial moment
1: people talk about the PayPal mafia. You know, these are all the guys that came out of PayPal right. and started their own companies and had huge success. And I always imagine that the guys who started PayPal, the founders have to be very proud of that because that's what makes me most proud is the people that I've worked with. They've gone on to, and, and our little virtual tourist network is spread out like with Dina in Boston and Joanna up in Seattle and Liz and Ria up at Facebook, like just killing it in their own businesses. And then locally here, we've got, um, Ross, who built uh, virtual Tourist with me, he's running click trips in a company called Tiki shortly. And my brother, who worked with me at the company too, he was a lawyer. He was our general counsel, helped us get through the merger. He is now running his own startup called Peer Street, which is a real estate crowdfunding site. And my wife is running her own uh, startup called <laughs> women.com. So these are the things that make wait, me wait. Most-
0: she owns the domain women.com?
1: She, yeah, she just took wow. that company through Y Combinator this summer wow. and raised $1.7 coming out of Y Combinator. So these are the things that I'm most proud of because now I get to help all of them on their entrepreneurial journey. And those are the things that like seeing, you know, if you've done something and somebody has kind of watched you do this and, um, you know, enjoy it and hopefully have some success with it to the point where they want to pursue that as well. That's the best thing in the world for me. And that's that's really where I kind of enjoy. I really enjoy spending a lot of my time helping not only these folks that were associated with virtual tourists and with us early on, but You know, I I mentor some other companies as well and do some advising and some investing with these guys. And I find it one of those things that I have to really limit the amount of time and the amount of companies that I help with that because I enjoy it and it ends up taking way too much time (laughs) away from me and and Trippy.
0: I know. And Trippy's like, what about me, JR? So (laughs) let's talk about today and let's talk about you, JR. What is the one thing out of everything you have going on that just has you most fired up?
1: We're coming up on, on year end here for 2014, and we looked. We had 950 percent membership growth over the last year, so wow. we're just seeing great growth out of it. But it's not just that. The quality of the content, the quality of the community that we're building on Trippy is just out of this world. Like people are getting such great information. And for example, I asked one question that I, there's no way I could have found the answer to this anywhere else. And I was, it was, a, I was taking a trip to New York, and I said, "Where's the best?" I was going by myself. Where's the best? Sit at the bar and eat solo restaurant, in New York. And I got some great answers, one of them from Anthony Bourdain. And it was just so fantastic to see this, th- this content in there because I can't find that across TripAdvisor, or Yelp, or anything else. It's just not designed to get to that level of granularity, that level of personalization. I had this very personal problem that I needed some help with, and I ended up getting great answers. And I'm seeing that happen on a daily basis on Trippy. So when I, you know, when we're talking to Fire Nation, if you guys, when you guys are out there traveling, you're thinking about your trips, come and ask your questions on Trippy and try it out. I promise you it'll be better than any other experience you'll have with travel content out there. So really, that's what I'm most proud of right now. This thing, it's, you know, it's working. We've taken a little time to kind of get product market fit, if you will. And now we've got it and it's really working and growing. So I'm really happy about that.
0: And it's so granular, JR. That's what I love about it. I mean, it's so tough when you travel and you just have like folders and it's just like this one overarching, you know, like this one, you know, one ring to rule them all, so to speak. No, like I'm just a guy by myself now and it's going to be different than if I'm, you know, with my fiance in New York City wanting to go to a romantic restaurant. It's like there's a whole different slew in the fact that trippy gets so personal, so granular, so down to the specific answer. I mean, Fire Nation, what else can you ask for when you travel? And JR, we're about to enter the lightning round, but before we do, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Are you looking to grow your team, maximize your time, and start putting systems in place that will help you run your business most efficiently? I know firsthand that growing a team isn't easy, especially when everyone's seeking out the best candidates. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 50 plus job sites, including Craigslist and social networks like LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. With an interface that's easy to use and that tracks all of your job posts and all of your candidates, you'll be growing your team in no time. Plus, it's easy to find your best candidates because ZipRecruiter.com will automatically highlight them for you. Try ZipRecruiter to find out why they've been used by over 200,000 businesses. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Again, try ZipRecruiter for free. You must go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Is 2015 your year to make big things happen in your business? As you know, making big things happen in your business starts with continuously learning more about what's working, what's not, and how you can implement lessons learned from others in order to grow. Well, I've got a solid recommendation for you today, and that's the Great Courses series called The Entrepreneur's Toolkit. This series shares detailed advice and resources for anyone looking to start and grow their own business straight from the entrepreneur professor, Michael Goldsby. The Great Courses has been around for 25 years, and they have more than 500 courses on on a variety of subjects to choose from. They even offer online downloads or streaming via their apps. For a limited time, The Great Courses has a special offer for us, Fire Nation. Order from eight of their best-selling courses, and you'll get up to 80% off the original price for a limited time. To order the Entrepreneur's Toolkit with my special offer from The Great Courses, visit thegreatcourses.com fire. That's thegreatcourses.com fire. JR, welcome to the lightning round, where you get to share incredible resources and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Let's do it. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: There was nothing. I was always predestined, I think, to be an entrepreneur. Even going back to fourth grade, I, I, uh, I started my first business in fourth grade, and it was selling styrofoam That's... airplanes. I tracked down the manufacturer of these, of these airplanes. It was local, and where I grew up. And I'd ride my bike down to his factory and I would buy these styrofoam airplanes, his factory seconds, the ones that he couldn't sell. I'd buy these from him and then I'd take them to my fourth grade to all the fourth and fifth and sixth graders and I would sell these planes to, these, to, to them and I would create contests of like flying distance and all these things so that i created demand for my own product that I was selling into <laughs> these. And so it was just fun and it was great. So even though I went through the, the legal path, I only practiced for about 18 months and I wasn't really, uh, that happy as a lawyer and that, that, uh, I wasn't to be Not honest, I many wasn't, are you're in, you're the majority <laughs> there. I wasn't that good. Well, there's a lot of good lawyers. I wasn't a very good lawyer either. So I was always looking for something to get out and start my own business. So when I found, found the guys and we started virtual tourists, it was, uh, I was, it was kind of predestined to, uh, to be doing that for me.
0: What is the best advice you've ever received?
1: One of the summers in between law school, I worked at a production company in Hollywood called Mutual Film Company. And I was in the legal affairs department, or business affairs, I think they call it, where they do the legal, um, all the legal stuff. And I worked the whole summer, worked my ass off, worked for a great guy named Robert Leger. And we, uh, at the end of it, in my exit interview, he just told me one thing. He sat me down. And he said, trust your instincts. He said, you don't trust your instincts enough. And you, you've got a little, there's a little uncertainty around the way that you, that you, make decisions and handle things. You need to trust your instincts. Otherwise you're never going to succeed. And I would think about that. I think back on that all the time and it's helped. And, you know, I was one of these people who kind of grew up, you know, putting a premium, uh, in my, uh, within my family of like being nice and being well liked and, and having people respect you because you're nice and friendly, but it's like, and so you put your instincts in, uh, on the back burner, you know, and you don't necessarily trust that stuff. You put other things first. And his advice to me was don't put those things first. You need to trust your instincts and just go with that stuff. And I think about that all the time. And I think it's really served me well.
0: Share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success.
1: Running companies is extremely time consuming. And if, as soon as you're managing people and you've got the responsibility of all of these people who their livelihoods are relying on you, um, it's puts a lot of pressure on you, and you're also building the, building any company. It's a really creative process, and I don't think people give it enough give enough credit to the creative aspect of it. You know, we think of think about business students, we think about people getting their MBAs, and this is all clinical and it's analytical, and you go through and you figure out these problems, and there's a right and wrong answer to this stuff. But in real life, in entrepreneurship, in starting a, starting a company or starting a business, it's not black and white like that. It's just so many shades of gray, and To figure this out and to to find out the right answers, you need to allow yourself some creative exploration time. And so for me, that's really um, physical exercise is something that helps a lot for me. So I like to surf in the morning whenever possible. And then from surfing in the morning to doing a little exercise and then some alone time. And it's really, this is almost cliche to say, but my time in the shower like alone where nobody's <laughs> there it's like that allows me to just kind of uh, that that's my slack time that's my free time to allow this these creative ideas to just kind of bubble up and in uh, giving yourself the opportunity to do that i think is really important so as far as like my daily habits that i try to that i try to um you do uh, on a frequent basis is is giving myself the freedom to have this, you know, this, this kind of this wandering creative thought, because I think it's really important.
0: Now the morning ritual needs to be sacred for entrepreneurs. Absolutely. JR, do you have an internet resource like Evernote that you can share with our listeners?
1: Google Hangouts. If I would do a Google Hangout over a phone call, um, every time it's 10 times more productive than any phone call because the ability for you to see the person, obviously connect with them, but being able to share links and do all that stuff and collaborate, it it's a, it's a 10Xer as far as, as productivity and collaboration goes.
0: Love it. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why?
1: Uh, Hard Things About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz because... For your readers especially it 's nothing but you know it 's the stories of what of what they went through when they were building their companies and it's it's fantastic and it to let the to let they went through some really tough some lean times too you know there were some there were some desperate times in there, and he he talks freely about it it's it's almost like a it's almost like an extended version of one of your podcasts. So I think that one's fantastic.
0: Love it. In Fire Nation, I know you love audio, so I've teamed up with Audible. And if you haven't already, you can get an amazing audio book like this one for free at eofirebook.com. In Jr, this next question's the last of the lightning round, but it's a doozy. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and five hundred dollars. What would you do in the next seven days?
1: I would take my five hundred dollars and I would spend it on a, a train, bus, or plane ticket to put me into the area where the most smart, creative, cool people were building and working on cool projects because I built these companies. I'm in in Manhattan Beach, which is near Los Angeles. Most of the business that goes on is up in Silicon Valley or San Francisco. And I've always been here on the outside doing this and I've had success doing it. But as I've, over the years, as I've started to put more of a premium on networking and being around people, the things that you get from that that you get a lot of intangibles that it might not benefit your business directly, but it helps you grow as a person. It helps, it helps me at least learning the way people think about things and learning the problems that they're thinking about and, and learning their new projects that they're working on. This has a lot of just positive energy. So if I were to start over, uh, you know, start from scratch all over again, I would get right in the middle of one of these hubs and I would be able to play off of and draft off of all of this creative exciting energy that other people are bringing to the table because you know if i look back it's like i wonder what would have happened had i been within you know within one of those those networks early on it would probably my path would probably be a little different than it has been
0: right well jr let's end today on fire my friend with you sharing one parting piece of guidance the best way we can connect with you then we'll say goodbye
1: Paul Graham has a great chart out there, uh, Paul Graham from Y Combinator, where he talks about the, uh, the spike when you launch your product. And then he has something called the trough of sorrow. And, then, and that is the, that's kind of this desperation time. When you're in there, it's like you, everything looks great. You launch your product. And then you go through an extended period of time in the trough of sorrow where you're not really seeing success. So my parting guidance would be be prepared for that trough of sorrow. And if you're going to take that leap and leave your, you know, a cushy job somewhere, know that you're going to go through some really lean times and know that you're going to go through this trough of sorrow for some period of time. But it's through that that you need to find that 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 fortitude and find those you'd be able to dig down and find that creative energy and those creative juices to help you figure out, solve those problems and get through it. So that would be my one thing. I think a lot of people jump into these things without really understanding how difficult or how hard it can be. But I think you need to be prepared for it for one, but also when it's happening, know that that's normal. Like sure, we hear about these outlier companies just go up and to the right with very little effort, but that is not the normal case. Most companies, most people that have succeeded have been, have had this, you know, had this desperation time. They've been in this trough of sorrow for an extended period period of time. So I would say just be prepared for it. And when it happens, know that that's normal and use that to actually dig down and figure out some of the creative ideas to help you work through it.
0: And what's the best way we can connect with you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at J.R. Johnson, probably the best easiest way.
0: Fire Nation, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with and you have been hanging out with JR and JLD today. So keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type JR in the search bar. His show notes page will pop right up with all the greatness he's been sharing with us. And JR, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. And for that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks,
1: John. Talk to you soon.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head over to eofire.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. With 15 videos in 15 days, I'll have you podcasting like a pro. Visit freepodcastcourse.com and prepare to ignite.